In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today's scriptures remind me of an old preacher's story that you may have heard at some point. The story is about a little girl who can't go to sleep. She's afraid of something. And so in the middle of the night, she knocks on her parents' door, knock, knock, knock. And one of her parents comes to her and says, yes, what is it? And she says, I can't sleep. So the parent takes her back to her room and puts her in bed and says, Now, you know that we love you more than anything in the world, right? And the little girl says, Yes, I know. And the parent says, And you know that God loves you more than anything in the world, right? The little girl says, Yes, I know that. And then the parent says, And you know that that God will look after you and care for you all night long. The little girl says, yes, I know that. And she smiles and turns over. The parent turns out the light and leaves the room. Ten minutes later, knock, knock, knock on the parent's door. (laughs) The parent says, yes. The little girl says, can I sleep with you? Right now I need God with skin on. (laughs) God with skin on is the heart of the Christian faith. Uh, God with skin on is, is what we mean when we use that fancy theological word incarnation. Um, God with skin on is the God that uh, we worship and, and serve, the God we celebrate and praise. It's the God of, of Abraham and Sarah, of Moses and Miriam, the God of David and Bathsheba, the God of Mary and Joseph, God made flesh in order to live and walk and love and die and rise again for us. Many of you have heard my ongoing sermon about the stained glass windows over our altar. Um, I'm going strong this weekend because it's Sacred Sites Weekend, and we've been giving tours all day yesterday, and we'll be doing tours today. But But I love to simply point out that the two central images are not of some abstract, faraway God. The top image is of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, who is not particularly important, not special, not saintly, not holy. He's everybody. And yet he gets raised from the dead by Jesus. Underneath, the bottom picture is Jesus uh, giving Bartimaeus uh, healing. And, And in his case, it means healing for sight, for seeing. He was born blind. And everything changes for Bartimaeus. Again, Bartimaeus is not famous. He's, he doesn't get God's attention because he's holy or even good, but because he's human and in the proximity of Jesus Christ. And so those images, along with many others, are, I think, reminders for all those who've come into this space and, and for us that faith is for us. It's God with skin on. In our first scripture reading, the Acts of the Apostles, 
St. Paul is using some very lofty words. We can be forgiven for thinking he's a far uh, place from speaking about incarnation. But he's using the language of his audience. He's in Athens. It's a sophisticated bunch. And he goes to the Areopagus, the Hill of Ares, or from the Roman standpoint, Mars Hill. It's a place where everything happened, a sort of um, Times Square intersection. <laughs> if you imagine the, the street preachers and philosophers, uh, maybe more Hyde Park than, than Times Square, but you get the idea. Here at the Areopagus, everyone would collide. The Epicureans, the Stoics, everybody who thought they knew the way to truth And so Paul steps into this world of ideas and conversations and and sermons and philosophies, and Paul gives it his best. He takes seriously all the other beliefs of the day, and yet in the midst of them and adopting their own language and vocabulary and symbolism, Paul then spells out his belief born out of his own experience. Paul says to them, as I went through your city, I saw an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. And Paul uses what would have been a familiar landmark to his audience to say, well, I'm here to tell you that what you worship as unknown, I can make known to you. (laughs) Because the God who made the world and everything in it, this God is the Lord of heaven and earth. God doesn't live in shrines made by human hands, is not served by human hands. God doesn't need anything, but rather it is God who gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. Paul then goes on to quote what seems to have been a a saying that everyone in Athens would have known, that saying, for we too are God's offspring. And so because we are God's offspring, there's a connection that we're born with. We're created in God's image. Though we are made in flesh and blood, we're of divine design. We're we're consecrated. We're made holy. We're made new through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're made new every new day of faith. Paul points to Jesus, who is God with skin on, And that means that faith in Jesus is an embodied faith. It's a grounded faith. It's a rooted faith. Faith is dead if it just exists in prayers that are said or sung or or imagined. Faith lives when it's embodied, when it's enacted. Of course, we don't work our way into heaven or get God's attention or blessing by working especially hard or holy. As St. James reminds us, what does it profit, brothers and sisters, if one says one has faith but does not have works? Faith by itself, if it has no works, if it's not embodied, doesn't amount to much. God with skin on is a way of living in the incarnation, living with our own bodies. It's, it's faith becoming flesh, but also faith becoming material, becoming real, becoming concrete, however that might look in our lives. Too often we can separate that part of our faith that we enact and say and sing in this place with that faith that we carry with us, 
Monday through Saturday. But if our body shows up for work, then we're carrying Christ with us, whether we notice him in our midst or not. If our heart is in the office, we need to remember that it's therefore a sanctified and redeemed soul that is sitting at that desk. Dorothy Sayers, who is famous for her plays and some of her essays, puts it well in a little essay where she she talks about work and religion. And she says, too much work and religion have become separate departments. She writes, the church's typical approach to an intelligent carpenter, for example, is usually simply confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours, to come to church on Sundays. That's all. But Sayers says what the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should, as a carpenter, make good tables. Church, by all means, and decent forms of amusement, certainly. But what use is all of that if, in the very center of his life and occupation, he is insulting God with bad carpentry? In other words, Dorothy Sayers is suggesting we do everything to the glory and honor of God. If you're a carpenter, then each table, each chair is to the glory of God. If you work for the city or or in the legal profession, then let justice and, and a vision of God be a part of your work. If you teach or tutor, then, then let the compassion and humor of Jesus be in your words and your teaching and your touching. If you drive a bus or a cab or a car to help a friend, then do so with purpose and clarity. If you write or edit, do so with honesty and integrity. If you deal with people in any way, try to see them as fellow sisters and brothers made in the image of God. If you volunteer, then offer your service in gratitude for all that God is doing for you. You get the idea. Whatever it is we may do, whether we make tables or or decisions or or cook a meal or, or cook up a business deal, we are the body of Christ moving and shaping the world. We, as we move, as we pray, as we struggle, as we heal, as we fall, as we're raised up again, we are called to be God with skin on. One of my favorite writers and preachers still living is a man named Frederick Beekner. He reminds us of that interaction between Moses and God. He writes, Moses at the burning bush was told to take off his shoes because the ground on which he was was standing was holy ground. And incarnation means that all ground is holy. Because God not only made it, but God walked on it. God ate and slept and worked and died on it. If we are saved anywhere, we are saved here. And what is saved is not some diaphanous distillation of our bodies and our earth, but our bodies and our earth themselves. Jesus says to his disciples, 
In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Christ reveals himself to us and through us to the world. And so, graced by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit, may we show the risen Christ to one another and to the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.